everyone has some sort of a closet that has become too small. A closet is no place to live, and I want to support as many people as I can in stepping out of that prison into the fullness of life that is waiting for them on the other side of that door. This is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching. Join me in listening to these coming out chronicles. Get curious about their stories and then go see what good things are waiting for you on the other side of your closet door. It's episode 45. Have you noticed a trend? Every fifth episode, I do a solo episode. So it's your chance to sit here with just me and pick my brain. Well, I guess it's not that interactive that you can actually pick my brain, but I have been asking questions, seeding some questions over the last few weeks of um, what you would want me to talk about in terms of my own sec- in terms of my own spirituality. And many people have been asking me to share more about my spiritual journey. Um, and I haven't known quite where to start or how to share it. It's such a abstract term or thought. And to be able to put it down into words is a bit hard sometimes, but I've received some good questions that I'll try to answer today. And also, it's always ever-changing. So that's also what feels hard to lay it down on a track that's recorded and here forever. Because I feel like from even last week to this week, my spirituality has changed. But I will share where I'm at right now. And to be changed or grown or stretched or expanded in the next who knows how long. (laughs) So many of you might know that I was raised as a missionary kid in Kenya. And so for grade seven, eight, nine, I was there at a boarding school that was for missionary kids mostly. And, you know, like raised quite conservative Christian and there I was like all in gung-ho getting up at 6 a.m. to go do Bible studies with my friends or another staff member and just like really studying and wanting to learn and grow all in and as soon as high school ended I went to a Bible school in Australia for a year and if I'm really honest, it probably was just to travel because I wanted to go to Australia. And that was a great way to go was to go to a Cape and Ray Bible college. Um, and then I came back and went to another Bible college and just like kept learning and growing and studying the Bible and also got a, a BA in youth ministry so that I could go and do youth work and, and be a youth pastor. I knew from pretty young that I wanted to be in some kind of service to people Um, helping them spiritually. It's just evolved a lot over the years. Um, So then right out of my BA, I, I went back to Kenya to be a dorm mom for a while and then got a job as a youth pastor. And it was it was really stretching for me at that point. Like this would have been 2000. I got hired as a youth pastor in the Sunshine Coast just off of the coast of Vancouver and 
this church like fully welcomed me and open with open arms and called me pastor and all these things. And like, it was stretched me at that point to think of myself as a pastor because I'd grown up for all these years in quite conservative churches that wouldn't even see women as pastors. And so that was kind of one of the first really big steps that I remember of, okay, like, let me receive who I am and step into this and stretch the, the small box of what I knew to be right and okay in spirituality. And it's interesting now, like thinking at how far I've come from that, but there's still many churches in that right now that think the Bible only says that women should be silent at church and shouldn't preach and shouldn't be sharing and things. And this is, you know, a great example of how our interpretations of the scriptures have shifted over the years and decades. And it's it gives me hope about what could still shift in terms of the LGBT community, but I'm rushing ahead. <laughs> After I was done a few years of being a youth pastor, I went on this pilgrimage around North America and tried to figure out what's next for myself and what, what do I want to be doing in the world? And I thankfully have friends all over North America because of my boarding school days in Kenya and my college days. And so I just went like Chicago, Philly, Seattle, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. Like I just stopped and visited any people that I could that, you know, I wanted to reconnect with. And wherever I went, I asked them like, who's wise in your life? Who can help me learn more? And I met a lot of really incredible people. It was a really cool quest. And at one point I met this one lady pastor that listened to my story and she was like, okay, so you like the, you didn't like the raw, raw and fun and games of being a youth pastor. You like the conversations. So why don't you just focus on the conversations? And I was like, what? You can do that? That's amazing. And she's like, yeah, it's this thing called spiritual direction. I was like, okay. So I started researching that and trying to figure out what is this spiritual direction thing and how can I learn more and grow in it and become a spiritual director myself. And wherever I looked, most of the training programs for this had an age requirement. You had to be over 35 to do this training. And I was like, what? That's unfair. And I was only like 30. I had a feeling that might go off during this. I forgot about it though. That's my alarm to say, breathe from your belly. So take a moment and breathe from your belly. So many times we just keep getting caught up in our work and our life and go, go, go. And we forget to like really enter into our bodies. And so I've put this reminder on my phone to remind me in the afternoon to breathe from my belly and be present there. So where was I? I was visiting this woman. She said, do spiritual direction and all the training programs were age limit. And so I, I was only about 30 at the time. I was like, well, what am I supposed to do for five years until I can do that? And then I found this, other woman in Vancouver who was talking about some of these similar things on the UBC campus. And so I, the whole year felt like this quest, like a treasure hunt. And I just kept following one breadcrumb trail until the next breadcrumb 
came and I opened up to the next treasure. And so I was like, okay, well, I've got this woman in my awareness. I'm going to go visit her. And so I was able to get an appointment to go to her office and chat with her and ask her like about spiritual direction and the training program she had. And as she sat and listened to me, she was like, hmm, yeah, I think that you should join our program. We, I have a master's and I think it's your master's. It's a new master's that we have here, but I think that it would be a perfect fit for you. It's called a master of arts in spiritual formation. And it's for people that you know are on this spiritual path and are wanting to expand their spirituality and also help others explore their spirituality. And I was like, okay, awesome. And so the cool thing about it was that it was, uh, it was mostly by distance. So we would go for a retreat for a week on an island just off of Vancouver and do a lot of our training and our, and our learning and then go to wherever we lived to integrate it. And we did that over two years. And so after the first retreat, uh, we were supposed to get into these soul groups of people that we would journey with over the, the next couple of years. And based on our geographic areas. And so there was a Regina group, which I had lived in Saskatchewan in, in my undergrad. There was a Alberta group and I had lived in Alberta growing up and there was a BC group and I had lived there growing. And I was like, but I don't currently live anywhere. I currently live in my camper van. Which group should I join? And she said, you should join the Vancouver group and you should move to this neighborhood and start going to this church and in some ways it sounds like really bossy and I'm not really one to do things that I'm told. <laughs> Mostly I like to discover it and come to it by myself. But there was something about what she was saying that I was just like, you know what? I think I need to listen to this woman. She's very wise. She hasn't steered me wrong so far. And so I checked out this church that she mentioned and sure enough, I loved it. I felt like this homecoming as soon as I walked in the doors, it was very, grassroots down to earth the music was like Sufjan Stevens leading worship and all these hippies and babies being nursed and just like people running around and I was like yeah these are my people I'm gonna land here and I did I entered in and stayed there for longer than I had stayed anywhere in my adult or most of my life and I got this amazing community and that community really shaped me in a lot of ways in my spirituality between that and doing my master's. Um, my spirituality just like expanded a lot from this narrow, like these are the do's, these are the don'ts. You have to follow these rules. And I started to see like many, many rules being broken or expanded and changed. And um one of the things that expanded for me in my master's was we studied the Enneagram. And this was like over a decade ago before the Enneagram was cool. And most people hadn't heard of it. And if anyone had, they were very leery of it because it was based off of a pentagram from way back in the day. And this is like satanic worship kind of thing. And, and yet anything that I read in it resonated with me. And so I started to like let myself expand to some of these ancient tools. And the other thing that I really loved is when we would go on this retreat, um, there was a labyrinth at the property and start to walk the labyrinth. And if you've never walked a labyrinth, 
I, I implore you to go and find one in your neighborhood. I'm sure if you Google whatever town you're in, there might be a labyrinth somewhere that you can walk. And it's an incredible experience. It's like these stones on the ground that mark out a path. And instead of a maze where you are constantly having to look and turn a different direction and choose like, is this the right way? Is this the wrong way? There's just one way and you just walk and you just keep walking. And eventually all these twists and turns, you'll get to the center. And it's kind of counterintuitive sometimes because you might have to walk far out to the outside edge. And it seems like you're going in the wrong directions. It seems like you're going backwards. But if you just keep trusting and keep putting one foot in front of the next, it'll get you to the center, to home. And I just love all the analogies and similarities with life that walking a labyrinth bring up for me. And it started to be this really cool way to embody prayer and meditation in a way that I'd only been taught to just like sit and pray and speak to God and like, I guess I forgot one thing in, in my undergrad, I got to study under Brad Jerzak for a bit and he came and started to expand my thought of prayer from just sitting and praying to God and, and almost like leaving your shopping list on God's answering machine and instead listening to God and like letting God speak to you. And that was like a huge opening up for me. And then when I was, again, walking the labyrinth, it started to make me realize like, oh, there's, what if there's no wrong turns in life? What if there's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the next and living your life? And sometimes it might feel like you're getting farther away from where you want to be, but trusting that you're being led on the journey and being held on the journey. And that was really helpful for me. Another teacher that came into my life around that time was Richard Rohr. And I'm sure some of you have heard of him and been influenced by him as well. He's a Franciscan priest who is almost more Buddhist than Catholic. And he really um, expanded my thoughts on spirituality. And he talks a lot about the tribalism of religion. And we you know, we think this is the right way. And if you follow all these rules in, in our religion, in our tribe, you'll be in and you'll be right. And those people over there in their tribe are wrong. And starting to look at that of like, what if there's not this tribalism and these walls like that? And what if like in the roots of any of these religions, it all comes back to the same place of love. We just have kind of gotten off course in some ways. And um, through that, I got exposed to Hafiz, who's this amazing Sufi mystic. And Sufi is a Muslim mystic. And it was so incredible to start to read poems by Hafiz. And it was a big stretch for me at first to allow myself to listen to some of these mystics and wise people from some of these different traditions, because I had always been taught like there's only one right way and you've got to follow that one right way. Otherwise you'll be out. And someone who's following a different path, it isn't the right way. So don't even bother listening to them. And so to be able to start to open myself to 
Rumi and Hafiz and some of these poets that had such deep and profound truths, it was a big step. And it also helped expand my spirituality even more and really helped me to see how God is everywhere and in everyone and everything. And if we start to notice, we'll see it. And so I got myself a Hafiz of the day book. There's like this kind of daily reading a poem and I loved it. And it, it brought back a sense of spirituality into my life that I hadn't had for a while, because like growing up, it was like, read your Bible every day. And it got to the point where I, I didn't really hold the Bible to be like this one only book that I needed to read. And, and I really loved getting to read a Hafiz every day. And it helped me to notice the divine in different ways. And so I wanted to share one of my favorite Hafiz poems with you. God and I have become like two giant fat people living in a tiny boat. We keep bumping into each other and laughing. And I love this one because it, it really, it brings into my awareness how like, I am God, you are God, God is all around us, like the divine is in everyone and everything. And if we start to notice it, we'll start to bump into it. And that creates such a difference in our world, like it, it brings this levity to it that really helps things be lighter and funner and, and more enjoyable when, when we notice the divine all around us. And then another Hafiz poem that became really special to me as I entered into the practicum part of my master's where I, I got to learn how to even more powerfully sit with others and help them pay attention to how the divine was showing up in their life. And when I started that practicum, one of my leaders shared this poem with me and, and I've loved it ever since as well. The small woman builds cages for everyone she knows while the sage who has to duck her head when the moon is low keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. Should I read it again? Yeah. The small woman builds cages for everyone she knows while the sage who has to duck her head when the moon is low keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. And that poem by Hafiz, I think, has, has really shaped my spiritual journey over the last while of wanting to be, not wanting to not be someone who's constantly building cages for people and saying like, you need to stay in this box and you need to stay in this box. And if you want to be a Christian, you need to follow these rules and stay in this box. And rather to be the kind of person that's constantly dropping keys for the rowdy prisoners and, and saying like, here's some freedom from all the confines that you thought you were in and that there's so much more freedom than you realize. And there's not like this deserving thing simply by being human, you deserve to be free of all this. And that's been really huge for me.
I think that around at some point along there, I stopped going to church so much. Like I, I moved from that church where I felt so at home in Vancouver and never quite felt at home in a church ever again. And I'm grateful for that church because it, it was the one that had the conversation about queer folks and started to show me that there could be thoughtful, faithful Christian lesbians serving in the church and show me another way that I didn't have to divorce my spirituality from my sexuality and started to open that door for me. And yet, even that church, like I mentioned in the last solo episode, you know, they're, they're not able to fully enter into a, an affirming stance because the larger denomination feels differently and denominational ties are strong in churches and you know oftentimes their salary or their church building is tied up in that and so even though a, a local geographic church might be open to something the larger denomination may not be and so I think seeing some of that tribalism play out more and and just not not finding a lot of nourishment from churches in general. In some ways, they seem more like a social club than anything. It kind of helped me let go of that regular rhythm of you must go to church every Sunday. That's another box that you have to sit in that is these rules that I, I no longer felt bound by. And when I started to notice the divine everywhere and in everything, it was like I was at church when I went for a walk and when I went to the mall and when I went like anywhere, when I start to notice and start to bump up against God and all of these things, so much opened up for me. And it also helped me to then open up my sexuality and recognize that I'd been taught this narrow way for so, so long and thought that I couldn't be gay and a Christian. I had to just keep praying the gay away. And, and yet that hadn't worked. And starting to see some of these examples of, oh, you can be faithfully connected to God, not living in sin and be a queer person. That was so healing for me and, and opened up so much for me. And then it's just continued to expand from there. Like I, I, I don't know if I would call myself a Christian at this point. I, I don't feel aligned to any one spirituality. I love that there's many different paths to notice the divine and I'm grateful for the Christian path that I had that taught me a lot of morals and values and different things. And I also see so much value in Buddhism and like contemplation and meditation and have like expanded to, to using other tools like human design and the gene keys that are these deeply powerful things, kind of like the Enneagram for understanding ourselves but also bringing spirituality from all different religions around the world. And something that I love about the Gene Keys is that it, it kind of gives you this grid of, of specific words that come up 
from your birth date and your time of birth and where the planets were in their orbit and the constant pull that they've had on you since you were born. But it also leaves it open for a lot of interpretation and for you to learn more and more about yourself over time. The creator of the Jinkies likes to say that the best way to learn through them is through contemplation. And so, you know, I grew up very Christian where it was like pray and speak these things and ask for these things very specifically. And then I, you know, looked into Buddhism a bit more and, and saw some of those practices of just like meditation and empty your mind of everything and just be there in silence and meditate. And then contemplation is kind of halfway between in the middle of these where I sit with a word that's come up for me in one of my spheres in the gene keys and I sit with it and roll it around in my mouth like a fine wine and, and ponder all the nuances of it and the ways that it shows up in my life and the ways that I would like to grow in it from like each of the things in the gene keys has a shadow frequency and then a gift frequency and then a city, which is a Sanskrit word for like the highest fulfillment of it. And so like the one that I'm studying right now is all about fantasy. Fantasy is the shadow. And so I'll sit and look at like, where am I in fantasy? What are the things that I fantasize about and want to have happen so that I can feel my fullest fulfillment and and oftentimes that place is where the stress is because I'm not accepting what is. And so listing out all the different things that I have as a fantasy and the things that, you know, like they might have a seed of goodness in them, but also they're creating a lot of stress. Like the stress in our lives comes from the ifs that we have. Any of the places where we say like, if only I won the lottery or if only I could be older or if only I could be younger or if only I could be married, like all these ifs, that's where the stress is. And so when we can really receive what is right now, that's where the release is and the freedom. And the, the really cool thing is that so I was saying there's a shadow in each of these and the shadow and the one I'm contemplating right now is fantasy. The gift in it is anticipation. And it, it might be ironic to think like, but didn't you just say, if you let go of it, that's where the freedom is? And yes. So the anticipation is anticipating breakthrough rather than anticipating this specific thing to happen. And so just in general, anticipating like, this place of stress in my life where I wish it was a fantasy of some other thing happening. I'm going to sit in anticipation of breakthrough. And I don't know what that breakthrough is going to look like, but trusting that, okay, the breakthrough is on its way. It's coming. And I'm going to sit in a posture of that and looking for it, watching for it, trusting for it, hoping for it. That's a very different place than just like fantasizing it to be something else and then the fullest expression in that gene key that i'm currently contemplating is emanation and 
noticing the ways that I can emanate love or that beauty is emanating from the current situation. And I can let go of the fantasy and it needing to be a certain way and notice the breakthroughs that are happening. All these beautiful things emanate from that situation. And so I have, you know, many different areas of my life right now where I'm holding them like that, that feel not quite aligned with how I would wish for them to be in my life, but trusting that there's a breakthrough coming and there's going to be these beautiful emanations that come from it. So I'm grateful for things like that, like structures that I've started to learn that are beyond just like the narrow ways that I learned about spirituality growing up and being able to use astrology and chakras and I Ching from China and Kabbalah, Jewish way of looking at spirituality. There's just so many different, beautiful wisdom ways in the world. And so to be able to use them all and, and receive them all has been incredible. And to know that like, I don't necessarily have any great answers. I'm just exploring and trying and and not staying stuck has been really freeing. And also not saying that I have the right way or the only way that's been really freeing. And so in, in that way, it's scary to share this on here because now it's in stone and there's going to be new things. And even like I was saying last week, I felt differently. And I, I listened to a talk recently about reincarnation and I think like, I've kind of roughly thought like, maybe that's a thing, but then hearing this talk from like a really wise theolo theological scholar who's studied so many things like beyond anything I've studied and for him to be like, no, I think it actually is a thing. And there's more and more evidence now of stories of little children who can like, he told me the story about this little girl that said like back in my day, I used to be named Joe and my wife's name was this. And, and he had, she had all these details about herself and to, to be able to say all those things. And they actually went to the town where she said she used to live. And there was a Joe that had died and he was married to the person that she said, and she recognized some of the streets in the town and could tell them where to go to get to his mom's house. And just like, you can't really make that stuff up. And it feels to me like opening up that can of worms of reincarnation being possible, it actually changes everything. And like I would ask you, like, what would change for you if this wasn't all there is? And, you know, we often hear this phrase, YOLO, you only live once. What if you didn't live once? Like, what if your soul was constantly learning and growing and like all these pilgrimages I've had in my life have just added to what I already had previously and what will come next and like the maybe unfinished business that you have with someone who's passed away or there's just so many things that open up as possibilities and of not feeling so small, I think, in thinking of life 
expanded to so many more things and I still don't I don't fully know what I think about it or how I feel about it but it's been really fun to explore it and it I guess the bottom line is it's fun to not be trapped in these small boxes or cages and thinking there's only this one way to get to God or something but to think like even some of the scriptures that I used to read in the Bible where it would say like God is breaking into earth and creating this earth anew and I even think reincarnation can play into that of our, our souls are constantly growing and becoming more enlightened to the point where this earth will be renewed and will be a new place and we will you know, have learned and grown and, and bring more love into this world and into this, these lifetimes as they continue to evolve and change and grow. And I don't know, I, I don't have any answers for you, but I promised that I would share a little bit of my meandering journey of spirituality. And I'm grateful for all that I've learned and where I am right now. And like I said, it probably will change in a bit. And I feel okay about that. And I also feel like I want to, you know, sometimes I, I feel challenged of how do I want to raise my kids? And do they need to go to Sunday school? And do they need to learn all these Bible stories and things like I did? And like, yes, like, I want them to learn some of these things. And I want them not to feel caged by these things. I want them to to be explorers as well, to learn and to grow and to want to explore all that is out there in the world and learn how to listen to the divine in their own lives and not be weighed down by what a Pope says about you <laughs> or what a pastor tells you is the right way to go or the only thing to do. I want them to be spiritual beings and be open to noticing the divine in their lives and all around them and notice the divinity in each person in front of them and honor that. I, I have so much to learn in how to do that well myself and how to, you know, not be frustrated with someone, but to receive the divinity of them and to receive the gift of them in front of me at this moment. And so much learning, so much growing. Um, I, I hope that this has been helpful to you in some way and hopefully it drops a key for you in, in some kind of cage that you might find yourself in right now, feeling too stuck or too narrow in a certain way of being in the world. If you have more questions, if you want to know more spiritual practices or things, um, drop me a message. If you want space to reflect on some of your own spirituality and to have space to speak some of the stuff out. Like maybe you secretly thought reincarnation makes sense to you, but you don't dare speak it out loud to anyone around you. I want you to know I have created the front porch sessions for things like this, where you can come and sit with me on the front porch on zoom <laughs> really, but have space to speak whatever is going on deep within you. Speak it out loud. 
And there's something really powerful that happens as you speak it out loud, you get to hear yourself. And that, that changes everything really that opens up possibility and freedom. But when we keep it closed in and just like locked deep down inside, it just creates turmoil and stress within us. And so I invite you to sign up for a front porch session and come and share whatever's percolating inside of you that, you know, maybe you have some new coming out chapter for yourself, whether it's around your spirituality or your sexuality or your values or, you know, anything really, there's always a new coming out chapter and having a safe space to share that with someone first before you have to share it with someone where it really impacts your life somehow, that can be so helpful. So I'm here for you. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Coming Out Chronicles. If you enjoyed it and you think it would be helpful for someone else, please share it with them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on social. I'd love to support you in the next chapter of your coming out story. I can help you know yourself, free yourself, and be yourself. Until next time, this is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching.